Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to episode two of the Real Traders Podcast with me, Damien Coleman. Each week we aim to look beyond the numbers and learn more about the person behind the trade and what makes them tick. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. Today we're going to be speaking to Paul Bratby. Paul is a seasoned trader and in his 15 years as a trader has never had a losing quarter. He's now the CEO of a hypergrowth startup called Trade the Fifth and has bucked the trend in the startup world by actually turning a profit in its first year. I'm really psyched to bring you his story today and not just because this guy pays my wages. Paul, wonderful to have you on the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Damien. How are you doing today? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, look, cards on the table, disclaimer, you are my boss, aren't you? So I, I work for you. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anybody has any questions, yeah. And I figured the best person to start this podcast off with would be yourself. So um, so tell us about yourself. So tell us about Trade the Fifth and, and what it's doing. Okay, so Trade the Fifth was designed really to um, have the strategies that I've traded over the last, well, it's nearly 16 years now, uh, and turn them into software for major broker platforms. So, um, you know, a lot of those strategies you'd be able to get on institutional-grade software that cost a lot of money. Uh, so I decided to try and get those strategies on broker platforms. So, you know, we whether it's Think or Swim, Ninja Trader, the new Trading View, TradeStation, you know, what we're trying to do is build the same indicator suite, Elliott Wave indicator suite and breakouts indicators and the new stochastic indicator for uh, broker platforms. So it's available uh, for retail traders. It's a really reasonable cost to give them opportunities to trade like institutional traders. Okay, and, and, and where did this, uh, this idea come about from then? Okay, so at 45, I retired as a money manager. I'd only been a money manager for three years, but I, I retired because I, I made enough money. It's not a bad situation to be in. No, no, but I, I started a hobby project because I was bored uh, just to build a, you know, a small website and um, just share my knowledge on blogs and things like that. And then a, a few years later, I, I thought, you know what, that's... Let's turn what I did and what I do still for myself uh, into a bit of software. Uh, and then uh, I think in May 2018, I was in Chicago uh, with some friends meeting, just doing some training. And a guy from Silicon Valley came, took the red eye and said, Paul, you've got a tremendous product here. Why don't you turn it into a business and, instead of a hobby? So um, that that's what happened. And we are now just just going through hyper growth so no longer am i retired i am working longer hours than i ever did before but are you happier i'm happy because lots of people lots of retail traders whether they're young uh, starting out or seasoned traders are benefiting from institutional grade software but on their broker platform so i'm very very happy uh, that we are able to to change people's lives that's great. And I suppose you were happy, you were in retirement, you were happily going along using this as a hobby. How much of a hard decision was it to, to effectively come out of uh, retirement when the, the Silicon Valley investor came along? Uh, I think I, it probably took me, uh, I would say, six weeks to discuss it with my wife. Uh, you know, we did, at that time, we didn't know what sort of impact it would make on our life. 
And I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose and lots of things to gain by, you know, meeting lots of new people. And, you know, just recently I did a, a, a sellout training course in Kansas City and I met 40 really great traders that want to learn that are using our software. And that's just opened up a new chapter in my life, really. You know, something, you know, meeting lots of people that I would never have done before if I'd stayed retired. Okay, that's great. So you mentioned, obviously, you retired at 45. So, so where did it all begin for you? What, what was the, the, the catalyst that got you starting in trading in the first place? So I was a soldier. I joined the British Army when I was 17 years old. And um, I was good at it, you know. Um, but it was was uh, getting towards you know my early 30s where uh, the pay wasn't enough. I aspired to do more. Uh, you know, I had a mortgage or a house, and I was always away on deployment and everything like that. So I just started training part time, and at that time it was just forex, and I was thr- throwing away money really. Uh, just, just you know, trying to follow everybody, what everybody's doing, not really listening, just going for it. It was more like gambling at, at that time. So that's how I started, really, part time. Okay, and 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 how did it how did it progress from from that point on from the forex? How did you change from effectively gambling with the forex side of things into actually learning to trade properly uh, into you know? creating um, a profitable trading account? So I, I think I probably blew two or three accounts of two or three thousand over a, a couple of years. And I was starting to get the edge a little bit, but it was still not consistent. And it all seemed very, um, a lot of chance was involved. And you know, I didn't really understand what impact uh, economic data had on, on the markets and there's a, there's a big learning curve in in what impacted the markets and what made them move and then I started to to learn uh, more about the indexes more about the US stock market and how data for that uh, you know com- compiled with gold and the US dollar really sort of uh, you know those correlations start to work I think I read one book that was extremely complicated, but what it did was give me the, uh, I think the basis, the Elliott wave theory made sense to me in that it was measuring the behavior of a trend. And, you know, I was doing it with Fibonacci's and all that sort of thing before, but what Elliott wave did was sort of bring that structure, but it was still complicated. So, I think I spent a year trying to decomplicate it to try and build something that was simple and repeatable for me. You know, I'm not uh, you know, overly clever. Um, I, I, I've got certain limitations, but I needed to be able to repeat something over and over again that was successful. So, you know, that's, that's, that's how I did that. And do you feel your military background uh, and I suppose the, the regimented approach within the military uh, helped with regards to understanding and decomplicating the Elliott Wave theory? I think so, because everything in the military has a process uh, and you need to define that process. So whether it's even stripping a weapon or uh, a, you know giving orders for a, um, a you know, a 
a route march or even attack or or defensive strategy there is a set path and a set pattern uh, to to communicate and to follow in everything you do in that in that structured life in the military and that's what allowed me to declutter a lot of stuff and start to formulate a plan uh, and a plan of action to follow um, because you see all these war movies out there it's not quite like that everybody's got these little notebooks there and they've got uh, all headlines of what they're supposed to do and cover it each, each stayed within a certain um, task so it's all it's you know it's structured you follow that uh, that structure and I suppose at what stage in your life did you look back and go actually do you know what I can make a living out of this it's not just a little bit of extra money here I could I can actually go full-time with this so I think that I, I was ready to go full-time I didn't have enough money uh, when I was leaving the army uh so the, the, that's and that's what a lot of um, traders probably go through in that they do get uh, a really good strategy and the the discipline comes in there the risk management and all those other things that lots of other people talk about but those come to a tipping point when it starts to work for you uh, but at that stage i didn't have enough money to do it full time um but you know, I was I was getting there, and um, so I I continued to work after, and I was trading part time, but I was coming becoming more successful. And then, as I was chatting to friends and friends of friends, they started to ask me to manage their money. So, uh, and that's what enabled me still doing that part time to get to a tipping point where you know, I said, you know what, I have got enough capital now. To do it full time because you, you can you can be ready to be a full time trader, but if you've not got enough capital, you won't be able to achieve uh, enough to pay your salary to pay your bills. So you can have a consistent winning strategy, but unless you've got the capital behind you, you're going to struggle to to pay all your bills. Exactly. So you're improving your trading account, but at the end of the day, you're not factoring the fact that you've got to take out money to pay yourself as well as improve that, that trading account. That's right. Trading's a business at the end of the day. You're a self-employed businessman and you need to take a salary. You need to look at it as a profit and loss for monthly and quarterly. You need to understand what your living costs are and what you need to achieve salary-wise. And you know, if you can't achieve that with your account balance right there, you've got to stay part-time until you get to the account balance where you're consistently making enough profit on that account balance to withdraw your salary, uh, but in reality, I didn't do it until I was able to draw salary plus uh, build the account as well at the same time. Okay, and I suppose, look, as, as a trader, losses come with uh, with trading as they do for everybody. Um, I suppose this is a double question for you, really. How would you how do you deal with the losses? And are you able to give me an example of uh, perhaps a, a painful loss that you have? experienced in the past and, and and what did you learn from that okay so dealing with losses uh, military background helps being a heartless person uh, that's very disciplined really really helps i do have a uh, i have a red stick it pad on my um on my desk if you like and i still have one now so if it's uh, it's a bad loss uh, if i've made a mistake 
uh, which uh, you know occasionally happens now. Uh, still, I I put that that loss on a red stick it, and I stick it on my door of my office. Okay, so I'm basically leaving it at the door, if you like. And uh, then at the end of the day, when I walk out, I take that red stick it away and I go and throw it in the bin, and it's finished. It's done. I move on from it. I don't dwell on it because it's probably just as bad dwelling on the trades that you missed as well as the well the ones that you lost. Um, so yeah, you've got to you've got to find a way to to leave it at the door to to get to get to get rid of that loss because losses happen all the time and you just need a, a sensible strategy to deal with them and just move on. You know you can't dwell on the past. You can learn from the past, but you can't dwell on it. You've got to move on. Markets change all the time. And sometimes when markets change, because right now we are at the highs uh, and futures are becoming very flat, but stocks are still doing very well, uh, you will make mistakes as that market sentiment changes. And you will learn from that and recognize that markets are changing. So you will change your risk to reward strategy, You'll change your entry strategy because of the mistakes you made uh, right now, right now. So you've learned from that, you've thrown it away, you move on. Okay, and I suppose um, um, from a flip side as well, if you if you tend to dwell on the losses, you have a then you can potentially have a tendency to try to chase those losses. Yeah, you got you got to fill the hole gradually. You don't want to double down and try and chase the loss. It, it's just happened. It's part of your profit and loss. It goes in there on the spreadsheet as a loss. And you move on, and your your priority the next day or two is to, depending on the size of the losses to fill the hole gradually. Perhaps if it was a big loss, is to reduce the size that you're, you've got on risk, and you take a week to fill that hole. You know, just take it easy, start to get your confidence back. Um, you know, there's lots of different strategies for coping with those losses. It depends how big they are. So, you know, you would you asked me what my biggest loss was. Um, I can't remember to be honest because I, I don't dwell on it. I don't, you know, that that red stick it gets stuck on my door, then I take them out of my office at the end of the day, and I never never look back. This, I think over the last five years, I've had two that's gapped down, two stocks that have gapped down on me, and I've probably lost two and a half, three percent on the account balance on both of those. Uh, what have I learned from it? There's nothing you can really do there. You. You've got a strategy that's moving forward. I call it my sausage machine strategy. So you're putting the same criteria of trades through all the time. And occasionally you'll get a big loss. But there's nothing you could do about that. Your CEO was caught with his pants down. Or you know, there's some news come out for that stock that you could not predict. But it's gapped down. And that happens. So you know, you, you, you just gotta, you got to take it on the chin. Uh, you could do thousands of hours of research but there could be one bit of news that actually really affects that particular stock um, or you know if you're trading forex or futures some data comes out it's a bit easier with forex and futures because you know when data is coming out so you can um, take the risk off by getting out of trade when those data points come uh, but with stocks a lot of it is down to do with the news cycle and unusual news for a specific stock but Again, I can't remember exactly what they were because I, I don't dwell on it. Okay. And I suppose, what, what has trading allowed you to do or achieve? Well, 
I'm English, but I don't live in England. I live literally by the sea on the, in the south of Spain. Uh, we're doing this interview on the 28th of November 2019. It's 21 degrees centigrade outside. I've got a view from my office over the pool to the sea. Uh, and, you know, I, I live a great life, but it wasn't always that easy. Um, but I had the dream and I kept that focus to to get to that dream and I worked hard to do that dream but that's what it's allowed me to do now I live in a warm climate I live by the sea uh, and I, I have you know I don't live the life of a billionaire um, but I live a really comfortable uh, happy life and was that always the plan then to, to to move out to Spain with the pool and the sea and everything absolutely yeah from a from a um, I think from a young age, my, my father bought a property uh, in Spain, nowhere near where I live right now. Um, I think when I joined the army, he, because he got rid of me, <laughs> they had a little <laughs> bit of spare cash and they bought a holiday home. Um, but that sort of, it didn't inspire me, but do you know what? The English weather is pretty tough on people and you get that seasonally associated disorder where you know, you've got 30 days of sunshine a year in the UK and it's grey and miserable and it does affect you, it does affect you. Uh, but over here it's, uh, you know, it's 330 days of sunshine a year on average uh, and you just feel a lot better and I wanted to feel better and, and have that Mediterranean lifestyle. You see, you get 330 days of sunshine, we get 330 days of rain here in Ireland. So I must admit there is a little bit of a jealousy when I see some of those images come up on social media. <laughs> So, so how, how do you relax? What do you do on your time off? Because obviously trading can be um, very stressful. It can, it can push you mentally to the limit sometimes. What do you do that helps alleviate that and, and, and get away from, from all those issues? So I like to travel. Uh, I, you know, with Trade the Fifth, it's enabled me to once a quarter come over to, to the USA for a week or so do some training events, meet new people, tick some things off my bucket list that I'd not seen before, all that sort of stuff. Um, but on a, from, from a day-to-day -day perspective, uh, I like to uh, go to the gym, go to the spa. Uh, I walk on the beach with a dog every day um, just to get away. And to be honest, I, I live in a, in a great place, so I can just step outside my office for an hour, drink a coffee, uh, you know, watch the the boats go by and uh, and just um, just 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 chill out. Just not doing a lot is actually a good thing. Uh, and being outdoors, the good thing about living in South Spain is it's an outdoor life. You can live outdoor, and I love to eat. I love to eat out, so I eat out at least once or twice a week. You know, I have my curry night on a Friday night. That closes the week for me. I go and have some beers, go and have a curry, uh, and that closes the week off for me. That's great. And so from, from, from your aspect, I mean, do you, do you have any trading heroes? Um, is there anyone that you, you look at and, and I suppose not so a hero, but admire for what they do? Uh, no, because I don't really take notice of anybody else. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is that the wrong thing to do? No, not really. uh, you know, I thought, you know, for, for myself, I've always been, I've always concentrated uh, on me, it's all about me. You know, when I was trading, it was all about my strategy. It was not trying to follow anybody else because I learned from a very, uh, very uh, 
early point that you try and follow all these gurus, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, and I will never, ever profess to be a guru myself. You know, my strategy works for me. I've developed it into a piece of software, but everybody has to do their own diligence and concentrate on their own strategy. Everybody has their own life, have their own pulls and pushes, um, you know, wives, children, uh, uh, elderly parents. There's, there's lots of things going off in everybody's life. And to be honest, I really don't take any notice of anybody else out there. Yes, we have a website. Yes, we sell software. And probably my team look at our competitors, but I don't because I, I've got a strategy. I don't want to have all the noise of lots of other people doing this, doing that. I concentrate on what I want to do. Uh, but I, what I do help is, you know, my strategy works for me and I try and share what I am doing. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody else, though. Okay. And in life, what's the best piece of advice you've you've received? Hmm. Okay, thinking. When I was a child, my father says, "I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong." Okay, so uh, I actually have that mentality with my trades. They're not always going to be right, but they're never wrong because I wouldn't get into them unless they met my criteria. So as far as training is concerned, something that my father said from when I was a young child, you know, I, I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong, I'm your father. But, you know, so I have that mentality now of, of my training. Okay, and, and that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Actually, it's very, it's very poignant, I suppose, especially within uh, the, the trading lifestyle because you're not wrong in, in the trades you go for because of the, the regimented rules you follow. You may not always be correct in those, but there's always a disparity in between. Um, what would you say, what, what advice would you give to others who are looking to, I suppose for, for two different types of people, one for people who are looking to get into this industry and two people who are doing this part-time and wanting to go full-time in this industry? Okay, so for those that are brand new that want to do it, it's great dreaming, but be realistic, okay? Uh, you can dream of living in a villa in the south of Spain um, by the sea with a big pool and all that sort of stuff, and that's what I did. But I don't let that dic I don't let that dic I didn't let that dictate what, um, what strategies I wanted to use and my discipline and my business. So the first thing to do is to um, do a little bit of research, look at what capital you've got and, you know, is it realistic for you uh, that you're going to make a living at this straight away? Um, most likely not. And if you've got a load of money, you need to be careful because you'll blow it off. The first thing to do is spend a year learning, is to try and develop a strategy, uh, learning, build the foundation, pay for trade, and spend a year developing how you deal with loss, how you deal with wins, um, develop your trading strategy that fits in with your lifestyle. Is it going to be stocks? Is it going to be futures? Is it going to be Forex? Is it going to be a mix of the both? Are you going to be swing trading stocks? Are you going to be day trading stocks or day trading futures? These are all the questions you need to be asking yourself because it's your life. You, you live in a certain place. You've got certain responsibilities. 
Uh, so you need to spend a year developing what works for you and paper trading that and start to develop a simple and consistent trading strategy. So once you've done that and you start part-time trading, that's brilliant. Because then when you're starting to trade with real money, you'll know if that strategy actually works. Because when you're paper trading, it's easy to put that red stick it label on the door, it was a loss and walk away. But when it's real money, it takes a little bit of extra discipline to accept those losses and move on. Um, and then, so for those that have been trading part-time and want to go full-time, there's certain criteria that you need. And that is one of the biggest things is an account balance that's actually big enough to sustain your lifestyle that you're in right now, to pay your mortgage, to pay your bills, uh, fuel the car, all those sort of things. So what do you need from that? Um, you know, so if you, if you need $10,000 a month, for example, if you've only got a $5,000 trading account part-time, you are not going to be able to go full-time, okay? Um, maybe if you've got over $50,000 in an account part-time and you can regularly show that you're doing uh, $5,000 a month, that's a good start, okay? But you need to keep your records. So even as a part-time trader, treat it as a business. You've got a monthly and quarterly profit and loss. So I would say you need to do a full year whilst part-time trading consistently profitable to actually understand what your monthly, quarterly and annual profit and loss is. Once you feel confident you've gone through that and you can do that and you can do it consistently, then would be the time to go full time. But until you've trialed it and you've gone through that at least a year, consistently profitable, a lot of part-time traders aren't consistently profitable. Once you get to there, you need to be consistently profitable for a year. You need to look at those quarterly profit and losses, then say, right, what is my salary? Can I afford to go full-time right now? Yes or no? It's as simple as that. Okay, and I suppose, what's the biggest mistake you see people make? Uh, Over-leveraging sometimes, I think, is, is a big mistake. So those with a smaller trading account, go straight to futures and they, they think they can win $10,000 a month on a $10,000 account. And in reality, it's not the case. Uh, there's some great leverage products out there, but you can soon um, lose all of your account balance there. So it's being realistic, really. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes is they, they try and go full time too quickly without going through the trenches and learning, building that foundation and building up. Um, so you know, over leveraging, becoming too confident too soon um, because you can have a winning streak and then you can have a losing streak. So you've got to be consistently profitable first. So it's keeping it simple. And one of the things that people, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is a new, a new guru comes out, a new widget or a new strategy and they start to add it to the strategy they've got. And they start to overcomplicate and overthink. Trading is a very simple business. Everything trends, yep, or goes sideways. What you want to do is decide what type of trader you're going to be. Are you going to trade with the trend? If you're going to trade with the trend, get your, your indicators that you're going to use, declutter that chart, 
and start with your strategy. Build your strategy while still remaining simple and repeatable. Don't go to the next big thing, the next fad. Find what works for you and stick to it, build on it, and just keep it simple and repeatable. So one final question, really. Um, this is one I'm gonna ask everybody who comes onto the show, basically. Um, if you woke up tomorrow morning, you found everything was gone. So everything had been reset in your life. So the trading account, the, the history, the indicators, everything. What would you do? Where would you start? <laughs> well, is that including my money as well? All gone? Yeah. So you start, you wake up, you've got 50 euros in the account. And would you go down the same, you know, go down the same route right now? Or would you, where, where would you begin? Because obviously today is very different to perhaps 15 years ago. Or even five years ago, 2013, 14, exactly. 15 was just licensed to print money. Everything was just trending up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident in my strategy. If somebody gave me 50 euros today uh, in a trading account, so I could make that into 500 euros being sensible by the end of the week. And then by the end of the month, I could make that into 1,500 euros. And then, you know, but obviously you've got to eat <laughs> everything. So I'd have to go out there and drive an Uber or something like that. But, you know, I'm confident in my strategy um, that every, if everything turned away, I could still do it. I could still build it up again. Remind me to give you 50 euros when I see you next. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Paul. Look, thank you very much. I appreciate you know your time is at a premium these days. So, where can people find out um, about Trade the Fifth, about yourself, follow you, contact you? Okay, so I have a personal Twitter account at pbratby official, and you can check out the website at www.tradethefifth.com or words. And uh, you know, so Twitter, just search for Paul Bratby at P Bratby Official, uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and the website. Uh, it's got all the indicators on there. We've got some great educational pieces uh, and uh, some some great new innovations coming all the time. Fantastic stuff. So look, Paul, again, thank you very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, guys, if you if you need to contact Paul, then there's the contact details there. Um, but thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, and that's everything for today. Thank you again to Paul Bratby for taking the time out in his busy schedule to come and speak to us. There was a lot of information there, so thank you very much for all that. Guys, if you have any other questions for him, you know, you can contact him through social media. He is available and he's pretty quick to respond to, to you. Uh, and if you have any questions for us or if you're interested in actually becoming a guest on the podcast, feel free to email me. You can contact me at info at But apart from that, have a great day and I'll see you guys very soon.